Welcome into the Think Deeper podcast presented by Focus Press. I'm one of your co-hosts, Joe Wilkie, joined as always by Jack Wilkie. Well, here, I shouldn't say as always, I was not here last week, fellas, so um, I appreciate you uh, taking it for me and for you graciously inviting me back on the podcast. It's uh, very appreciated. <laughs> yes, welcome back. Yeah, you're so joined, as not, always, by us. We're just not always joined by you. Uh, there you go. There you go. So, yeah, no, good to be back. Uh, it was a needed break. It was a nice break. Um, yeah, been a, been a crazy few weeks, I think, as most people are probably aware, and um, so it was a nice time for a break, but I'm grateful for you guys. You guys did a great job on that podcast. I got to say that that two man dynamic was interesting. It's sometimes easier with three. It's to, a little harder. Yeah, the the two man. It's you guys like did you, it well. Well, I appreciate it. Appreciate it. You yeah, always have. I thought have you did it really well. I thought it was back and forth. It was good stuff. Uh, we're also aware that tomorrow is Fourth of July, and so we want to say Happy Fourth to everybody, and uh, hope everybody's celebrating with some fireworks, hot dogs, burgers, or whatever it is. Um, how do you guys? What are your plans for so this for is fourth? this is funny. I had a hot take. Uh, the gym podcast episode that comes out tomorrow actually sneak peek filmed it with my brother Reese since Joe was out of town. My hot take was I think fireworks are actually a tad overrated. I like fireworks. I think they're cool, but I think they're a bit overrated to be honest. But um, especially in the social media age, hey, here's a fuzzy picture of like <laughs> cool man. That's great. <laughs> what I love about fireworks is you go ten years. 15 years, and then somebody will finally come out with some cool new firework, and you go, that's amazing, and then it'll be like another 15 years until you see any innovation, and it's like, so have in that the time, drone things they're doing, the, the drones are really cool. It's pretty neat, and then where they form, you know, words and stuff in the sky with lit up drones, and yeah, so, yeah, no, uh, probably, I, my uh, in-laws do a big mid-year thing, uh, my father-in-law's birthday is the day after, and so it's kind of a big bash thrown together, so yeah, grilling and fireworks and... Happy birthday, Wade. Shout out. There we go. Nice early birthday. Yeah, nice, nice, nice. Yeah, I'm going to be uh, getting back in town, actually. So um, You're back to work, pal. I'll, I'll, yeah, I was going to say I'll be back to work and maybe even doing clients that day. Who knows? But uh, we'll see. Anyway, we wanted to get into a great podcast. Jack, you're the one that started the outline or the wrote the outline. And um, so go ahead and get us into the topic for today. Yeah, this is uh, a concept I believe is in Church Reset, the book I wrote a few years ago. We reference every now and then. And I didn't flesh it out much in that book, and so we're going to do that here, because um, it's also going to lean into this next book we keep talking about that will show up someday. Uh, and, and I call it Choose Your Own Adventure Christianity. You remember, uh, well, uh, some people remember, some won't. Uh, as a kid, they had these books called Choose Your Own Adventure, and it was very interestingly written where it would kind of set up the story, and you could make choices, and it would say, okay, if you choose this, turn to this page. If you choose this, go this way. And so you kind of guided it, and it was set for you, well, how, how you want this to go, you can kind of shape it in a certain direction I love or another. those books. They were super interesting. I see my sister was really into them. Uh, shout out to Rachel. Uh, Charles, as some people know her. Um, uh, so you didn't ever so get she, into him? No, huh? she, no, she was as big into him. I, re, I remember trying to read one once. I'm like, this is stupid. Just <laughs> the next page should be the next page, kind of thing. But you could choose your own adventure. It was, you know, the 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 concept of them. And with your Christianity, you think about this is kind of the default structure right now. Of here's a church building. There's a church here. There's preacher. There's uh, elders. There's there's leadership or whatever. And you can go in there and whatever degree of involvement you want it's up to you you want to show up sunday mornings um and and not come back well they're gonna encourage you to come back but i mean it's kind of 
choose your own adventure. That, that's what you can do. If you want to come in and just get super plugged in and you're, you're in the Bible classes and, and you're teaching and you're VBS and serving and, and programs and all that stuff, you can do that. that that's all there for you. And, and they love it when you want to do that. that. That's what they hope people would do. But if they don't, okay. Um, you know, in, in extreme cases, you'll have the people that show up once every three months and man, somebody will give them a call. Hey, we're missing you, but what are you going to do? And so uh, very much uh, the church kind of has uh, and, and has for a long time had this choose your own adventure of we want more from you. And if you want to give more, there's always going to be something more for you to do. We'll, we'll have that available to you. But you decide exactly how involved you want to be. And this takes some different forms we're going to look at here in a few minutes. But that's the concept we're working on here. Well, and as you think about what's so interesting about that, think about other aspects or areas of your life where this would not ever be the case. Think about your job, right? Your, your, your work environment. How many times is your boss or your employers, you know, the, the higher ups going to say, you know what, just do whatever you want. You know, you can show up only one day a week or you can show up five days a week. It's completely up to you. You can either put in, you know, 10 hours or 40. It's completely up to you. Of course not. No, nobody's going to do that. Same thing with, with your sports teams. If you're, if you're a young person, you know, rarely are you going to have, I should say rarely never. Are you going to have a coach that's like, if you want to show up to practice, great. If you don't, no problem either. Just just show up when you can. Just just try to commit as much as you can. No, it, you're expected as a member of the sports team to pr- show up to practice, to be there for the games, to put in the work. Even within your families, right? You know, you've got you've got kids. Most you know, good solid uh, Christian families. The parents are going to expect something of the kids. It's not going to be, hey, if you want to participate in family stuff, great. If not, no worries. You can kind of just do your own thing. This doesn't work or this doesn't apply in any other aspect of our lives but jack as you were talking about a lot of people think that this is how church should this is how our our church life i guess i should say should apply that you can just kind of show up and and really do it however you please choose your own adventures the perfect way to put it and you don't see that in any other aspect of life so uh, a preaching school buddy, uh, shout out to Mike Green. Uh, in fact, congratulations to Mike Green, Southeast uh, Bible Institute. He's uh, uh, joining that preaching school. Great guy. He was telling me a story once of a church leader told him, well, the Lord's army is a volunteer army, and so we can only get out of people what he gave him. He said, you know, Mike was a, a big army guy himself. He's like, I was in the army. It's a volunteer army. And when you show up, you don't get to just like, no, actually, I don't want to clean that. You know, I don't want to march today. I don't want to like even just because it's a volunteer army doesn't mean we can't tell people their expectations on them. Right. Not everything is up for debate in a volunteer army. You know, once once you volunteer, you're in that and there's structure to it. But you see the the consequences of something like this where. The guy shows up on Sunday morning only, doesn't live like a Christian, doesn't think like a Christian, doesn't do anything. I'm a Christian. And then you got a guy that is just all into it, right? I mean, he's what we're supposed to be. We're trying to be as Christ-like as possible. We're showing up when the doors are open. We're starting our Bible throughout the week. We're doing Bible studies with people. We're doing whatever it may be. He's a Christian as well. And so it's like, what's well, to choose your own adventure? We're both Christians. Hold on a second. You know, this guy makes a mockery of Christianity, basically, and the world sees that, and this guy is what a Christian's supposed to be, but we're all under Not the same just umbrella, that, though. and so you see how this affects Think us. Think about what that incentivizes. It's like the the, um, the 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 students in school who both get an A+, one puts in no work at all, and one puts in a ton of, of right. work. What does that incentivize? Oh, well, you know, if I can be a Christian without really putting in the effort and putting in the work and just kind of show up here and there— Again, if you have kind of an outsider looking in or maybe some, somebody that's caught in the middle, that's going to incentivize them to go the other direction. Again, just exactly like the if, if the teacher gets up and is like, look, I'm going to give an A-plus to everybody, that's going to incentivize everybody to not get it, not do the research for the paper and not you know do the homework. And so that's very dangerous, like you're saying, when you can group everybody under this umbrella of Christian, 
when it's two polar opposite ends of the spectrum. It's it's accommodating this individualism that just uh, has absorbed our entire culture. Everything is individual. Everything is to the service of you. If it doesn't serve you, if you don't like it, if a relationship doesn't serve you, if, if your relationship with your parents doesn't serve you, they're toxic, cut them off. We've talked about that before. If if your job doesn't serve you and you just don't feel fulfilled, you don't feel this, that, like all of these, you know, individualism, I got to do me thing, uh, we bring that into the church. And so, well, you don't want to give anymore. You don't want to be here two or three times. You don't want to get involved with this thing. You don't want to pick up a, a broom and serve after the, the fellowship meal. You don't want to, okay, will we, uh, uh, an indistinguished leadership involved we and that this is where we there's crossover with the consumer provider thing even though it's not the exact same thing but it's just accommodating your individualism which advertisement plug uh and when we get off of this zoom call i'm getting on to uh, record who let the dogma out our other podcast or my other podcast uh with daniel and titus where we're talking about individualism so if you want to spin off from this go check that out next week as well uh but it's it's this idea of man we can't ever ask somebody to submit themselves to something bigger than themselves. It's about a disconnected, just spread out group of individuals, and we're going to try and give every one of them the experience that they want and let them choose their own adventure. This is the interesting thing about individualism is I think it's an over it's it's an overcorrection, right? I mean, it's a pendulum swing back from a time where there basically was no autonomy. There was no no sense of self. It's like, well, it's for others, for others, for others, for others. It's Jesus, others, yourself. So you never really get, you never think about yourself. You never think about your own emotions. You don't have time to think about your own emotions because you should just be thinking about other people. Yes and no. What what do we see from Christ? He takes care of himself, and from that flows an ability to take care of other people. Same thing with Paul and with everybody else throughout the scriptures is once you get yourself right, it's the same thing in Ephesians 5. Husbands, love your wives as you love yourself. It's this understanding that you should love yourself. And so we go, well, that's just selfish. No, individualism is selfish because it takes what should be shoring up your own relationship with yourself and with God and allowing the the love of others to flow out from there. And instead, everything is, everybody has to love me and affirm me. What it comes from is nobody actually feels love. It's, it's, it's an individualized because we're trying to fill what only God can fill. And we're trying to be selfish with it and we're not loving others and not allowing it to emanate from us because our relationship with ourself actually is horrible. So it's an overcorrection to try to, to, you know, in my opinion, swing the pendulum back from a time where you could never think about yourself and there's time, there's, there's a time and place for that. But once again, from that, and this is where we're going to kind of take off in the episode, when your relationship with yourself is where it should be, from that flows your relationship with everybody else. That's the point of Christianity is how do you relate to other people? And the consumer Christianity is how does everybody relate to me? That's that's the exact opposite of how it should be uh, going forward, in my opinion. What's interesting, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, um, kind of the both ends of the spectrum as far as the generations are very guilty about this. We, we've talked before about how um, you take the, the far end, the, the older people, right, the older generation. A lot of them kind of come into the church building with my pew. I want to hear my preacher. I want to hear the lessons that I want to hear. I want to sing my songs that I like. And so for the older generation, it's very individualistic. You know, how does the church serve me? How how does the, I didn't really like that sermon. I don't really like that this new preacher. It's me, 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 me. 
But then you also have the younger generation who's growing up in the society of it's all about them. It's all about, um, you know, their wants and their needs. And then you've got kind of the middle-aged generation where the church is marketing to them. It's like, of, you know, we've got these classes for your kids and these are all the things we can do for you. And so you end up with just a, a, a recipe for disaster, really, when you've got all all ages, all generations coming to the table with this individualistic mindset, this, well, how can the church serve me? Again, the older generation's worried about their pews and their this, that, and the other. The younger generation coming in with, you know, well, if, if it's not about me, I'd much rather go to the social club down the road or whatever, or, or a church that is going to make it about me. And then again, the middle age that is is more worried about their kids' classes or what programs it can offer for them. And so again, it's, it's no surprise that when you've got a, a, a me-centered mindset that stretches across all generations, why we end up with with Christians who, who adopt this choose-your-own-adventure mindset is because in their mind, it is all about them, and it has been all about them, you know, since they started going to church there. Right, and one of the other problems that flows from this is it's it starts with low expectations. It just lowers the bar of, man, like, all we need out of you is membership and, and just bare minimum, and if you want more, it's there for more. But we meet people, I mean, and I, I really think a lot, or if not all of the deep thinkers that we, you know, you, the listeners who, who come across this and are searching for more, we meet Christians everywhere who just want more, are starving for more, and and they are. They're the most involved people in their churches. They're there, they're, 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 they attend everything, they serve in everything, they're part of everything, and they're just burnt out because they have to do everything or they're just looking for hey is is anybody else in this is anybody else excited about the work of the lord or is it just me and that's why you have people finding like-minded christians across the country at lectureships and online facebook groups and things like that of like man doesn't anybody else care about this well you incentivize people to not care about it as as you're kind of saying and you just end up with this lowest common denominator very shallow unity because we're not actually on the same team working toward the same thing together You've, you've just got those, you know, to use your analogy of uh, everybody gets the same reward, the guy that rides the bench, the guy that shows up with the wrong shoes on, the guy that, you know, is it doesn't want to be a part of it at all, but okay, everybody's kind of, well, do what you want. Well, the people who really want more, and you, you think about, who should you be incentivizing? Who should you be really feeding towards and that doesn't mean you just you leave the stragglers and be like oh, we don't care about the you ones that are passionate but you should workers. be incentivizing them yeah and so you want to incentivize like hey this is what we want out of membership this is what is good this is what we're going to praise this is what we're, we're pushing you towards is this so other people will see that and go yeah I, if that's what if that's what i want to be a part of here that's what i'm going to do rather than well if we do that some people might leave and we don't want anybody to leave so we will starve the stronger people to death in order to accommodate the people who aren't going to be here anyway. Why, why do we do this? Well, what frustrates me, it's, it's the, the old 80-20 or 90-10 split, right? Where it's, well, 10% do 90% or do you know 90% of the work or whatever it may be, right? And the small minority is going to take care of the church. Jack, you've written on this a lot about consumerism and such. Shame on the elders and for the, the church leaders for allowing that to happen. Because we work these people to death... Again, it's to choose your own adventure. Well, these, hey, they just happened to turn to the page where they're hard workers. <laughs> Good for them. Some other people didn't turn to that page. It's like, no, you are you are allowing this person to get burnt out to the point. How many of these people end up either leaving the church or leaving that church and going somewhere else? Like they get burnt out. They get tired. Man, I put in my time for a decade. I did every bulletin board at the church. I was there every single time. I ran every potluck. I did all these things. 
And even if they do get acknowledged, it's not enough to just go, hey, brother, we really appreciate you doing it. It's enough to go, it's not fair that you're having to do everything. Now, if you're the deacon over something, I understand. Yeah, there's church structure, whatever. I'm not talking about that. It is horrible that church leadership will get on this, you know, this one person and just, hey, you're you're the guy, you're the guy, you're the guy, you're the guy. You're burning them out because you won't ex- expect anything from anyone else and you're allowing this choose your own adventure. And because some people didn't flip to the page where they're supposed to work for Christ, I guess that's okay. Like, this is, again, and, and I think we're maybe jumping ahead in the outline, but this is a problem of church leadership not expecting more to your well, point, Well, and this Jack. is not all about the, the hard workers and, and the ones who are passionate looking around going, well, why aren't I getting congratulated? Why aren't I getting a pat on the that, That's not exactly what we're talking about right. here. But you think right. about how much easier, I guess, it, it is for those who are working hard, those who are passionate, to keep that passion and to keep that zeal if they look around them and a whole lot of other people are doing that as well. Right, you think about a really tough task, maybe that you a tough assignment, um, I don't know, group project or whatever it is, and those who you're working on it with, man, if they, if they are really striving for it, if they're talking about it, and and you you guys are invested together, it's it's easier to push towards that very very difficult goal. On the other hand, if you look around and you're like, well, I'm really the only one putting in the work here. I'm really the only one that, that's excited about this. Guess what? Your excitement's going to dwindle. Your passion's going to dwindle. It's not about getting the pat on the back. It's not about, well, why aren't I getting congratulated? It's about we're all supposed to be striving together for this. And when I look around and I don't see very many people who are, you know, who have my back on this, who are right there with me on the front lines, well, I'm going to retreat off of the front lines a little bit then. I thought that's that's exactly when you said the front lines. That's perfect because my my visualization as you were talking about it is Uriah, yeah. Right, you run up and this guy runs into battle. Ah, we're ready and it's guy, guys. Where's guys everybody at? Looking over yeah. his shoulder, like where is everybody? And they're kind of like, see you, man. And that doesn't that doesn't bode well for people. We want to know we're part of something that's bigger than ourselves. Jack, you referenced this earlier. We want to be part of the same mind, and I think the hard workers gen, genuinely do want other people. Most people aren't like, I just want the star power, right? I just want to show that I'm I'm amazing. I think most people would love to have every member in the church be on that same page because there's something so special about it. You see this in the military. You see this on, on sports teams like Will, what you were talking about, where everybody's surrounded by one goal and you don't have a bunch of, you know, showboats and doing their own thing. Those teams don't win. The teams where they're really coming together and even the guy that's on the bench for most of the game, but he comes off for two minutes. Man, he plays a part. I can, I can just see you're just dying else. to reference the Nuggets there. I can I can see it. You're just dying to reference them. I was, I was picturing <laughs> him in my mind. Up for us. Absolutely. Well, sure. I was going to say, <laughs> national champion, you know, it's, okay, it's uh, okay. so that's what happens when you're an amazing team like the Nuggets and when you have an amazing leader like Nicole Yoke. No, okay. Anyway, um, but yeah, that's that's exactly what happens is, okay, you don't always have the guy that is, is and this is the, the different church leadership, and elders worthy of double honor, no doubt. There's things like that. That's not what we're talking about. We're just talking about the average guy being just as excited about it and having bringing that passion in. Um, Jack, I want you to move us kind of into the next part of the outline, though. Um, and specifically, I think we kind of fleshed some of this out. You may have a little bit more to say on the difference from consumerism as we were talking about it, because we're referencing a lot of things as you talked about. They kind of go hand in hand, some of the stuff you wrote in Church Reset. I don't know if there's anything else you want to add to that. Well, this just flows from consumer Christianity. So we're talking about something very related, but not the exact same thing. I think consumer Christianity is a lot broader thing, but this is the church involvement wing of consumer Christianity, right? It's 
okay, well, you're a church customer. We're here to serve you. We're here to give you whatever you want and make you feel however you want to feel or whatever it is. And so when it comes to get involved with the church, okay, this is how we're going to handle that. And we're not going to really expect anything from you. We're going to lay out, you know, just kind of generally. And and it's really the kind of thing I, I, in fact, I use the illustration in the book of with a newborn, we didn't bring our kids home, set them on the couch and be like, all right, if you get hungry, there's food in the fridge. That's what you're doing here with with your church involvement is like, well, if you want it, it's here. People don't know. You've got to go tell them, hey, you've got to get involved here. We expect something of you. And so here's how you do X, Y, and Z. And so, like I said, it flows from consumer Christianity and it takes a bunch of different forms. So let's get into this this part of it. And and we've referenced a few times the sporadic attendance. Uh, you know, everywhere you go, every every church you're part of, I think everybody has this experience of like, you look over one Sunday, it's like, oh, the Smiths, the Williams, the Browns, the Jones, sorry, generic names, whatever. Uh, you know, some family, sorry if that's anybody in real life, but uh, they're here. We haven't seen them in two or three months. And you think that's neat. And you go, I'm going to go encourage them. Man, sure, good to see you guys. And maybe they come back the next week and then they're gone for another three weeks. And you just kind of throw up your hands and go, well, what can you do? You know, what can you do? You know, you might, there might be a visit, you know, there might be a couple calls like, hey, we're missing you. And they come back again and you come back again. In fact, I was, I was just told at one point, well, you're just always going to have people like that. You're going to have people that want to do that. That's the problem. It's kind of the same if, you know, to use the idea of of raising kids and feeding kids and nourishing kids. Well, you're just always going to have kids that don't eat their vegetables you're the parent like that you you can't just let that happen and so that's one of the forms it takes is just the bare minimum just the the people that don't plug in don't want to come they don't they're not going to come to bible class they won't be caught dead at a church event there's some people that you know very faithfully they're going to be there sunday morning and i'm not talking about limited people you always have to give the disclaimer we're not talking about sister so-and-so who's 97 years old and somehow miraculously getting herself in the door on sunday morning we're not criticizing her for not being there on wednesday night just in case uh, that that comes up, we're talking about the people that they could be there, and you just know. And man, Sunday morning they're going to be there, and that's all you're getting out of them. So that's one of the forms it takes. Let's talk about some of the other ones. Yeah, we've seen. You, you've got kind of the, you've got your event calendar, and they will choose to show up for the fun ones, or maybe the ones where there's a there's a free meal involved. And for this one, I do want to say like, I I sympathize with the people who look at it and it's like. Man, the church calendar is so busy. There's so many things on the calendar. There's so many things that we could do. I can't hit all of them, so I'm going to hit these. Um, again, I, I get the mindset of, well, we can't can't do everything. So that's why I would tend to recommend for congregations to maybe not quite fill up the calendar quite as much because that way when you do get together, whether it's a fellowship event, whether it's an evangelistic um, event, whether it's a you know Bible study event, when you when you put that out there, it's more it's more special i guess the, the the what i think of is going always back to sports why is it that people don't watch baseball near as much because well, there's 100 and what is it 82 games 162 games and yet the nfl is king and there's only 16 games because the demand is there more and so i i draw kind of a parallel there with with the events but you have those people who as uh, if there's not a meal involved i'm probably not going to be there uh, if it's not something i want to do I think I'm going to pass on that, you know, and so that would be another form that it takes of I'll show up for the fun events. I'll show up for the for the meal events. I'll show up again when it's the adventure that I want to choose, when it's the page that I want to turn to. Those are the things I'm going to show up for. No regard to, you know, is this is this something that's going to benefit my family? Is this something that I'm going to get to be with my church family, etc.? It's more of a how does this please me? 
But on the flip side of that, I would say elders and church leaders put a ton on the calendar for that specific purpose. They try to fill it up and they try to do enough fun activities for those people that they go, I know we're not going to get them for any serious activity. We actually are going to do door knocking like there's not a chance they're going to show up. But we really want their involvement. We want want them to know there's a place for them there. So we're going to have a laser laser tag night or whatever it is, right? Where it's just going to be a ton of fun. And and so we know we're going to get them there. Why do we put up with that? So we load our church calendar with enough fun events in there where we know we're going to get on this meal night or whatever else. But anytime there's a work day where we're going to go over and, and mow sister so-and-so's lawn and do all this stuff, we're probably You're only going to get, get the, the, the diligent workers on that one, not not everybody else. Right, and it goes, exactly, it goes back to your point, Will, of, you know, think about practice. Well, coach, I'm not showing up for practice, but I'll show up for the game, so if you want to just put me in on, uh, you know, fourth quarter, big big minutes. We're talking about me? practice? Practice? We're, talk, we're practice? talking about practice? <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Some people get that reference, okay. some people won't. Yeah, um, look up the answer, you'll find it. Um, so, we had a lady at a church I went to where this literally happened. I'm not kidding. Look up, you know, very sporadic attendee. And so I remember a couple of times it happened looking up and seeing her and going, oh, I didn't realize there was a potluck today. She literally, oh man, that was, I mean, the church and you would look and it was, it's today. And like, that's just how she operated. Like she was there for that. On the other hand, in the same church, we had a, a guy in church leadership who, uh, it was, it was, they had fellowship groups you know that because it's a bigger church and this group meets this week this group meets this week whatever else and it was it was his group's week and one of the elders asked him hey uh you know you're 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 running your group this week right and you oh no i don't do i don't do potlucks like i'm not gonna stay for a fellowship wow. meal like you know what it's probably not gonna be the greatest meal you ever had you can probably get something better you go down to red lobster or whatever but like that's not the point you're it's not, not the point at all, at and and again, it's the individualism thing. I don't do that. I I don't want to eat that food. I don't want to go, you know, do any of that stuff. And and also, it's you know the cleanup and the, the sweeping the kitchen and the taking the trash out. Ah, eh, no, nah, that's not for me. I guess you're just not going to spend any time with your fellow Christians then. I mean, like, and, and so it is that that choose your own adventure thing. And, and it's one of those words like you'd almost give more credit credit and credibility toward it if the person was having people in his house every week. You know, if if things like that, or that lady that only showed up once every month for the the potluck Sunday, not great. But like, if man, if she was involved in all the service stuff or whatever, no, it's people choose what they want to do, right? And so that is a, a certainly another form of it is, you know, picking and choosing uh, what you like. But even very involved Christians can just have a sour taste in their mouth towards certain things the church does. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm not supporting that. I'm not part of that. I'm not, and I don't mean things you have a doctrinal disagreement. I don't know that we should be doing this. That's a whole different thing. If your conscience isn't really with something the church is doing, that's fine to abstain from that. But just things where you're like, yeah, that's, that's not my thing. That's not, you know, I'm not really interested in the, the Bible study Devo nights, but I'll be there for the service project, the evangelism, the soup kitchen kind of thing, or the vice versa, you know, well, you know, you put on a Bible study, I'm there, but, you know, mowing yards, I'm not. And, and so, but then, again, you have this culture where everybody's picking and choosing, so there's little overlap, there's little, we're in this together, it's it's individualistic. Hence, the choose-your-own-adventure. Right. Right, whatever, whatever suits me, whatever I think is best, whatever, you know, fits mine. And so to that point, I think, as you're talking, like the forms that it takes, we're talking the sporadic attendance, we're talking the only showing up for fun events, refusing to support other people's initiatives, somebody else really needs you there, whatever, and, and things like the potluck, right? I mean, it's the church puts these initiatives on, and well, I just can't be bothered. I don't do potlucks. Those are the forms that I think it would take. Um, 
It's interesting as you look at Luke 9, 57 uh, through 62, there's these people that come to Jesus, right? And, and yeah, Jesus, I'll follow you. But, you know, first let me go bury my father. He's, he's uh, you know, it seems historically maybe he wasn't dead, but whatever, There's that's different discussion. Um, well, you know, Jesus, I would follow you, but, but I need to go say bye to my family first. I would follow you, but, I would follow you, but. And this kind of seems to speak to this very idea of like, there's always something holding us back from really going all in on, on Christ from all of these people. And what does Jesus say? Basically, see ya, right? Instead of, I'll wait on you. Oh, that's to choose your own adventure. Well, he Jesus, said, I'll follow not you. Not fit but, for the kingdom. I mean, that is such a big phrase. Right. That's so heavy, but that's them trying to choose their own adventure. Jesus, let me first tell my family bye. I'm going to do it on my own terms and then I'll come follow you. And, and Jesus just pleads for them. Yeah, I'll wait for you no matter what. No. No, he says, you're not fit for the kingdom. Now we have a ton of elderships and a ton of church leadership says, hey, take your time, do whatever you need. You need to be gone for the next three weeks to go say bye to your family and then come back. I guess you can. You're not fit for the kingdom is what Jesus says. That is heavy, but we don't really look at it this way. We look at it as, again, man, we'd rather have their attendance. Showing up some is better than not at all. What if Jesus had that attitude with those people? At least you're kind of following me. I mean, we'll wait on you. Well, five chapters later in Luke 14, you get the parable of the Great Supper. Which is it, it parallels very very nicely there when he's he's got the he's preparing this a certain man is preparing this great supper this big feast and he invites all these people but they basically say I've got this this stuff I have to do um, all the excuses I bought a piece of ground that I must go see it to it can I can I can you excuse me I've I've bought uh, five pieces of oxen uh, I've taken a wife and so what is the end of the parable when he says all these people he says go invite the ones who actually will come. And then he says, for none of those who are invited will taste my supper. Same thing you're talking about there with not being fit for the kingdom. If your response to Jesus is, I've got this going on right now, I'll come back to it later. Maybe when it's more convenient for for me to to go to that meal. Maybe when I don't have this X, Y, and Z going on. And again, what does he say? None of those who are invited are going to taste my feast. None of those who are invited are going to taste my supper. They're not fit for the kingdom. And, you know, we've been drilling the the church leadership thing this entire time uh it's, it's later on in the outline but i'll go ahead and bring it up again here that started because of like joe you, you were talking about the 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 mindset of many and it's not just church leaders it's not just the elders but they're the ones that are responsible for setting the tone it's everybody who who thinks the the bare minimum bar for being a christian is showing up every now and then showing up every now and then and you're a member of this church if you show up every now and then and if that's the bar that we're going to set, and again, when they come back, we're, we're all excited. Oh, man, it's so great to see you. Hope you can be back as, as soon as possible versus, hey, you know, what's going on? What, what's going to stop you from being here next week type of thing? What's going to stop you from being at the Bible study event this Tuesday night? Um, and again, everybody always jumps to, well, you know, you can't really bind that they have to be there on Tuesday night for the study or even Wednesday night for the, for the church gathering. You can't really bind that. And, you know, we've lost the... Where's the attitude of I want to be with my church family? I want to I want to be involved in as many spiritual things as possible. That's never I shouldn't say never. Oftentimes not the bar that is set by elderships. That's often not the bar that's set by church leaders. It's it's more of a again, hey, you don't want to be there? No problem. Uh, you know, hopefully we'll see you in a week or two. That's what's got to change. Is the expectations? Well, and you see these interactions with Jesus. At no point did he go, oh man. These people might, if I keep my expectations the same, they might leave. And so, uh, what can you give me? Okay, you're going to go bury your, your father? Okay, well, just catch up with us later. He doesn't do that. John 6, where the people are like, whoa, that's pretty extreme. You're the bread of life and your flesh and your blood. 
uh oh well guys don't leave i, I don't you know don't worry about that i i don't have to have the from the the parable of the dinner that, that you know you referenced there in luke 14 in none of these does jesus go well let's negotiate a little bit the rich young ruler okay how about what if i had, had you sell half of your stuff the guy goes away sad and jesus says well that's how it is some people just aren't aren't cut out for this they're not fit for the kingdom but churches do that okay well what, what can we get from you and you think about like putting a value on something I'm going to self-plagiarize here. Uh, I wrote an article using this illustration recently of, let's say you say, I want to join the local country club. And you go and they say, all right, it's $500. You can't wear jeans. You've got to be dressed, you know, a certain nice level when you're in the clubhouse. You, uh, you know, you've got to keep your locker clean. You've got, you know, some requirements and it's $500 a month. And you go, eh, okay, no thanks, but thanks for the information. And they chase you out to the parking lot. Wait, 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 what, what if we made it $250? No, no thanks. Well, I tell you what. What if, what if we let you wear jeans? Okay, let it, we we won't you know use the dress code on you. Whatever, or we won't make you clean your locker. No, no thanks. Well, a hundred dollars, hundred dollars, what, twenty dollars? What is it? What would you think of that place? Must not you, be worth. You think I don't want to? Be, yeah, like you're with every concession, you're going. Yeah, this this ain't that big a deal. And they maybe they talk you down to the point where okay, twenty dollars a month. Sure, I'll do it. I'll come play golf for twenty dollars a month. Sure, what a deal. And then they come back to you, you know, three months later, and they're like, all right, now we're going to need some, you know, some. there's some complaints in the clubhouse. You're not really given enough. Uh, you're not, you're, you're, you're coming in dressed like a slob. So we're going to, you've got them right where you want them. They're so desperate to have you. Why would you do anything they're, they're telling you you have to do? So when you have a church member, and it's kind of this thing, whatever you want to give, we'll take it. We're just comfortable with that. We're not going to put a price on it. We're not going to be exclusive at all. They have the same attitude towards the church right? That I'm in control of this relationship. No, they're not. There is a king involved here. He's involved. He's in control of the relationship and he sets the price. And you see where he set the price, which is way up here. And then where we set the price, which is, man, whatever you can give, that's not how it works. Was it Matthew 13? Matthew 13? With all the parables of... Uh... Of the right, kingdom, kingdom. It talks about the buried treasure, right? A man who's uh, a man who has, you know, he, he buys the field and he finds this treasure, and it's like, this is this is the greatest thing ever. And instead of having a church full of those people, if you were in awe of what you had, and if you were willing to sell everything to buy this piece of property for the kingdom, but to your point, Jack, it's almost like we take that treasure, and while they're passing by, we're like throwing it at them, like, hey, 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 pay attention to this, pay attention. No, there's got to be this. To the, to the individual point. There's got to be an individual buy-in where you recognize this is different than anything else. And when there is that, you go, what's what's demanded of me? You know, what does it take to get this? And if I have to sell everything, I'm going to do it. We're full of a bunch of people that didn't have to do anything. We lowered the bar. I think that's a great point. But why did we do it? Well, yeah, church leadership, we could point to that. I'll tell you, in my opinion, the biggest incentive for this or the reason why this has been the case. Yes, I'm picking on elderships today. I, there's a lot of great elderships. Love the elders out there. But hey, Anytime you make a man's livelihood, specifically preachers' lives, dependent upon that number on the board of how many people showed up on Sunday rather than the spiritual growth of the congregation, you've messed up. you messed up. Because what that does is it incentivizes every preacher across America to just say, get them in the doors. We need as many people here on get Sunday. Get that number because, to boy, go up. Did, yep. you happen, did you happen to see we had 150 people here today and last week we had 130? doesn't matter the next week it's going to be 132. But hey, you know, it's it's... We're, we're leveling up and we're getting all these people. And then, well, this guy left, this family left from another congregation and this family left from another congregation. Guys, we're growing. Not really. Not really. We're just, you know, the church hopping. 
now we're full of a bunch of people at a church hopped and, and they're kind of disgruntled and you know there's not a whole lot of cohesiveness together and we're not really growing spiritually but boy those numbers are looking good and we've made a guy's entire livelihood dependent upon whether he can get people in the door and then we wonder why the expectations aren't high he's terrified that they might leave because if he asks a family to step up and he starts preaching some hard sermons about hey we need you to start t- teaching some bible classes we need you to start doing this we need you to start doing that if he's if he's saying those things and these people take offense and they leave, his job's on the line. He might get fired. The numbers are going down. Now we have less contribution. I mean, what are we going to do? So the way church has been structured is we are incentivizing people to not ask. for. We're incentivizing choose your own Christian or choose your own adventure because, again, a guy's entire livelihood, his family's life is dependent upon him getting people in the door. That's a horrible structure. That's why I would advocate way more for tent makers don't have your money tied to the congregation you preach for because it doesn't, you know, then you can say basically whatever you need to say and calling people to step up. But I kind of digress on that. Either way, kind of moving on in the outline though. Um, one of the things you put in here, Jack, and I, I love it is that idea of like, imagine we're priesthood, right? I mean, first uh, Peter two, nine, we're priesthood. What would have happened if you look at the old Testament, if, you know, some of the priests showed up some of the time, they didn't show up some of the time. You know, and and God's asking for them oh, to come I don't, I don't do sacrifices. Or, I don't like blood. That's right. I, uh, hey, I'll do the the whole uh, table of showbread because I love <laughs> I love food. But you know, some of this other stuff, the the sacrifices or having to cleanse yourself. I mean, it's not really my thing. The, the bloody water is just kind of disgusting, and it's just not my thing. And making sacrifices for the people. Do you see what this guy did? He's a jerk. I'm not sacrificing for his family. I mean, imagine if the priesthood did that. What do you think God would do? Well, I don't know. Seeing as Uzzah touched the Ark of the Covenant was struck dead, maybe there'd be some serious consequences to that. I was going to say, we we, we've got plenty of text of what God would do when the priesthood decided they're not going to do their job right. I mean, that, that happens. That They devolved into that, and it did not go well, and he was not pleased. Here we are as priesthood, and we kind of think the same thing. We don't take ourselves seriously. That's the point. We have a lot of Christians who don't take it as, in, in my opinion, don't take it as seriously as the job demands because we didn't tell them up front, to your point, Jack, it's like at a job interview, you come in, they think they're being hired to flip burgers and they come in, it's like, oh, by the way, we kind of need you to be a manager. And it's like, whoa, I, I didn't know I was expected this. We kind of need you well, to do profit and loss stick, statements, right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We don't stick them in that immediately. We train them as they go. But if they don't know that your job is to be trained into these positions, like from day one. We're training you up so you can disciple others, this first Timothy two or second Timothy two two, you know, where it's gonna be this continual thing. If that was the expectation from day one and we really started, it's like, all right, let's do it. We start with the expectation that you can come in and get whatever you want, and then we try to slowly turn up the heat and expect them to come with us and they don't. So let let's talk about for for just a second what what the mindset should be. And I have to shout out Jack for that that country club illustration. I heard somebody say one time Francis Chan is the king of illustrations. I think Jack Wilkie's the king of illustrations. That was that was that was perfect. I love that. I appreciate it. Love That's that. good stuff. That's um, good stuff. But what what the mindset should be because we've talked now for forty minutes about what the mindset unfortunately is for a lot of people. What should it be? Um, and we've got a couple things down. Philippians two um, obviously comes to mind as you consider, and I'll I'll just read the first couple verses of Philippians two. It's it's stuff all of you deep thinkers, all you listeners are familiar with, but. This is the mindset that that we should have. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, 
but also for the interests of others. And then he, of course, goes into how Christ had this mindset of humbling himself and obviously came down in the form of a man uh, to die on the cross. And so the, what the mindset should be is this, this heart of service, this heart of deference to others. And what gets me about this is it's so commonsensical. You think about, I mean, just imagine in your head for just a second, whatever congregation that you attend, if every single person showed up, every single uh, service, every single event, every single fellowship event, and their mindset was not, well, what am I going to get out of it? How does this benefit me? But instead, their mindset was, how can I contribute to the Lord's church? How can I serve somebody else today? How can we make this church better? If every single member thought that way, what would the ch- what could the church do? And the answer is the, 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 the sky's the limit for what your congregation could do if that was everybody's mindset. And yet it's not. And so, again, just think about whether you're an elder, whether you're a preacher, whether you're just a member. Think about how phenomenal that would be. And so that's the the type of mindset, the, the ideal mindset that we want to get everybody to scripturally, the, the biblically mature mindset, because that is the true recipe for church growth. You think about Ephesians 4, um, where he, where Paul is writing about you know every joint supplies. Uh, and it leads to, leads to growth, the edifying of the body in love, because all these people are contributing these things. That's what we're trying to get to, but we're never going to get there until we have this mindset of, again, and it's not that, you know, you can never be the one that's being served or you can never go in and and have other people emotionally support you, but you need to to have this mindset of looking out for other people's interests, looking out for the body's interests rather than just your own. And man, you can just daydream about what the church could be, what your congregation could be if everybody had that mindset. Again, the sky's the limit for that. You guys have anything to add to that? I was, uh, I don't know, Jack, if you had anything to add to it, and we can move on to the next point, but I was going to bring in Titus real fast, because we were just, I was in a, sitting in a Bible class recently, and they were discussing Titus, and it just kind of hit me as we were going how everything, and this is to your point, Will, everything in Titus, I'm going to preach on this, uh, actually, everything in Titus is about others. Paul's ministry was about others in 1, 1 through 2. Titus's ministry was about others in the work of the church in 1, verse 5. Elders' ministry was about others in 1, verse 9. Older women's ministry was about others in 2, verse 4. Titus's conduct was about others in 2, 6 through 8. Slaves and how they worked was about others in 2, 9 through 10. Christian conduct is about others in 3, 1 through 3. Christ's life was about others in 3, 4 through 7. So I know it's a lot of references, but the whole point is throughout the book of Titus, everybody's job was about someone else. It's not, well, Titus, you take care of yourself and just make sure that you're doing okay, buddy. You know, just want to make sure that you're healthy. No, why did, Titus, I'm calling on you, man. Your job is to establish elderships in these churches and to really establish the churches themselves. Finish what remains, right? The elders, your job is to exhort and to rebuke some of these other people to make sure because these sinners are affecting whole families. Everybody affects other people. And that's the point of Titus and why it's so important to, to make sure we don't have this idea that well, my Christianity is about me. No, it's not. The entire book of Titus is basically your Christianity is about how you affect other people. Even the way slaves work is for them to affect their masters to say, that's that's a Christian. Like, everything is about other people, but we take the individualistic view. Philippians 2 is the perfect one, you know, perfect passage to say, the heart that we carry into the church and that we carry around with other people says everything about us. And if it's all me, 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 thank God Christ was not that way. Truly, thank God, because when you see what he was willing to do and humble himself, not considering equality with God a thing to be grasped, man, if he had the individualistic mindset of just, well, what about me? What about my rights? What about all this? This isn't fair. He could have called 10,000 angels, and he didn't. So we know all this. We're preaching to the choir. People know this. The question is, why don't we do it, right? Why, why do we read this or hear these things on Sunday and go, 
Yeah, that's a good sermon, brother. Good sermon. And then we go live out our, our days for the rest of the week. It's because this isn't coming face-to-face with us. It's not really hitting our hearts. We know it intellectually. It's not really hitting our hearts. we got to do a better job of that. Um, Romans 12 has, has also, Jack, I don't know if you want to get into that one. Yeah, I mean, it, it just starts, you know, we use the priesthood illustration. It, it talks about living as a, you know, or being a living and holy sacrifice unto God, right? That you, you've been transformed by the renewing of your mind, but he immediately goes into the same thing of considering others more important than yourselves and deferring to one another. And everyone's got gifts, everyone's got something to bring to the table, and, and we need to realize we need each other and, and part of this and, and encourage each other in that. And so... Uh, very similar language to some of the things in uh, Philippians, Romans twelve ten. Give preference to one another in honor. Again, put each other first. Serve the people around you, not lagging behind in diligent, fervent spirit, serving the Lord. Uh, contributing to the needs of the saints in verse 13. Practicing hospitality. Everyone's expected to just be part of this. And, and when you read Philippians 2, when you read this, and, and where he starts off with this, we've all got different gifts to, to bring to the table, and so you better use it, right? Verse 7, uh, or at the end of verse 6, uh, according to the proportion of his faith, if service and is serving, he who teaches and is teaching, he who exhorts and is exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy with cheerfulness, all of those things do something. And we've talked about before, it's always, I've got the gift of encouragement. Like, you better be doing lots of encouragement, phone calls, visits, you know, uh, uh, sending cards, things like that, because that's that's great. You better be using it. It's, it's not just showing up and being nice to people on Sunday. And so what do you bring to the table? And do it. Bring it to the table. You know, as, as part of a team, we've used that illustration throughout this. I've been, I've, I've said this before, I've been on teams where I was the top scorer, I've been on teams where I barely got any playing time. You have a role in those teams. Even when you're the guy that barely has any playing time at practice, you've got to work hard to make the better players on your team better. You know, you've got to really challenge them so they're challenged at game time. You've got to be encouraging, maybe. When you're not getting out there and, and getting to play as much, you got to be the guy that's that's opening the door on the bench and, and man, really building up your guys and, and all that stuff. You, you've got to do something. And so it's very easy. You're not the preacher. You're not the teacher. You're not anything else. So, well, I'll show up and I'll, I'll have my worship and I'll sing and I'll be nice to people. I'll encourage people in that way. Now, what do you bring to the table and then do it? That's how you live sacrificially as a living holy sacrifice. That's how you put others before yourself. But man, this individualism thing is how does this serve me? What do I get out of this? You know what? Well, how does this fit with my identity, my personality? This person, this this profile of myself I'm building up. It's not about you. All of this is not, it's not about you. It's about what you can do for others in the context of the church. And so, you know, 1 Corinthians 12, the body parts illustration Paul uses, there's there's no part we don't need. Ephesians 4, whatever joint supplies, all of these things flow from this attitude in Romans 12 and Philippians 2 of, you're not the most important thing here. But when we treat people like they are, and we're so desperate for their attendance that we'll let them get away with anything, they learn to think of themselves as the most important thing. So I think where we have to wrap is how, how do we deal with this? How do we confront this? Because as we've already said, a lot of our listeners, I'm sure, are the ones that are, are passionate and the ones that are working. And they're, they're the ones that are trying to come to the table with, with serving others. And so you look at it, and we even had this question before, uh, Jack, with your scriptural focus videos of, okay, what do you do about the, the Christians who are not doing their part, who are just kind of showing up, and as we talked about, they're choosing their own adventure, and their adventure just so happens to be the one where they don't really do anything. What do we do about that as the passionate workers, as the ones who are 
again, bring us up to the table. And we've got a long list here that we're, that we'll hit, I guess, fairly quickly. The one that I would say, um, that I'm going to start with is have, have them in your home. You know, you be the change, you be the one that inspire, Hey, you know, maybe it is somebody who, who is only over or who is only in service twice a month. You invite them over to your house for dinner. Um, it can be very tempting and very easy. And I've, I fell in this one when, when I was at Decatur that I would go eat or I would have people over that I really enjoyed hanging out with, right? They were, they were the ones that, that just really enjoyed the conversation with, and, and we really just enjoyed being with them. And usually those were the ones that were showing up often and, and, and working very hard. And so the ones that didn't, those were, they were, those would get neglected. And so that's where I would start. If you're looking at this in your congregation, you're like, yeah, we got a lot of people that are just kind of showing up here and there, not really putting in the work. Bring those people into your house. Have them over for a Bible study, for a, just a dinner get-together type of thing where that's the first step in, in, in really making them feel like family. And then hopefully, obviously, as that continues, you are you are bringing them into a situation where it's like, oh, okay, so this is what it looks like. This is this is how we can bear one another's burdens. This is how we can support each other versus the, as we have talked about a hundred plus times, the, hey, how's it going in the hallway? Oh, I'm doing good. Oh, cool. Hopefully see you next week. And that be the end of it. Bring these people into your homes. Bring these people into the, 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 the you know, outside the four walls of the church building. Make them feel not that you're going to cater to them, but that, hey, we want you a part of this. But if you're going to be a part of this, this is what we need. And so, you know, if you're just, again, uh, your average member in your congregation, not a preacher, not, not, a, not a church, not a part of church leadership, man, start there. Have them over. Joe and Alyssa, when they first came to, to Jackson Temple, they didn't really know anybody. Um, you know, it was, it was very, uh, you know, Joe took the preaching job and he had met obviously a lot of them, but didn't really know anybody on deep level. What's the first thing that, that you guys did? You set up your house every Tuesday night and invited everybody over. Said, hey, we're going to provide a meal. Let's just get together and, 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 and not even necessarily have a Devo, but talk Bible, just talk and get to know each other. That's where it's got to start again. And a lot of us are already have the advantage of knowing our congregation and knowing, okay, who do we need to reach out to? Start there is what I would say. Have them in your home. What else you guys have to add for, for this? I think you get at something there. This isn't on our outline, so I'm going to step out of it for just a second. Of there's a difference between people who don't know and and need to be taught, and people who know better and and aren't. And so those approaches are different. And I think we should always start with people just don't know because you think about somebody could be have become a Christian 20 years ago, and if leadership structure was not in place to say, hey, here here's some expectations on you. We expect you to be there. We expect you to find a role. We expect you to be a part. We expect you to grow. Here's how we're going to help you do that. And, and, and that whole structure that leads into that, if they never had that, even though they've been there 20 years, you know, you need to start on, on building that foundation with them. On the other hand, there are people who know, and, and their attitude is just horrible. I ain't doing that. I don't do potlucks, you know, that kind of thing. Those people need to be rebuked. And I think that's when you look at Timothy and Titus, that there is reprove, rebuke, exhort. Those are all different forms for different times. It's knowing the situation that rebuke is, dude, that's wrong, and you can't do that. You know, reprove is, man, uh, you're kind of on the wrong path here. Let's let's straighten that out a bit. And exhort is, man, all right, let's go a little bit more. Keep going, keep going. You're doing good. Let's let's take the next step. And so you need to discern where somebody is on that. And so to your point, Will, about you know uh, just the having people over, or whatever, you're gonna kind of get a sense of of where somebody is. Of do they know anything? Do they know that it's even expected that they're gonna be there? Do they know, you know, why we do Sunday night and Wednesday night? Do they know what happens in those events? And sometimes you run into people who are just like, oh, I just thought that was a, 
another thing you were doing, you know, that uh, was maybe would be, might be over my head or I wouldn't be able to, to be a part of, or I, I didn't think it was that big of a deal. Well, it is that big of a deal. And so you bring them along and then the other people who are like, oh, I just don't want to, then you get into the next thing. And, and this is where we've said it throughout the whole episode. Eldership is such a big deal that where you have an eldership, this is your job that everybody knows their role, their expectations. And this is what good managers do, what good coaches do, what good you know leaders of, of any type do is when somebody comes into the organization, into the military, into the, the team, whatever it is, to sit them down and say, here's what we expect out of you. Here's what we need to get from you to succeed. And if you you know try and run over people and do it your own way, it's not going to work. If you don't bring something to the table, we're going to have a problem here. Here's what we need from you. Where does that happen? I, I've, I think I've referenced before. Somebody gave me, a family member uh, actually gave me a, a manual they were given when they were uh, baptized into the Baptist church as a teenager. And later they, they came out of the Baptist church. But it was kind of, hey, here's your membership manual. Here's what, Here's some of the beliefs we hold. Here's what we do. Here's some things like that. And so it started on day one of like, here's what it means to be a member of this church. Do people know that? If they don't know that, we need to make sure they do know that. And so literally maybe even having a handout or if somebody places membership, if they're baptized, there needs to be elders, preachers, somebody, church leadership in their house the next week to say, all right, here's next step. Here's what we expect. Here's here's where you are. Let's chart a course for you to be involved in this church. Does that happen? Where where does that happen? And and it does sometimes, but it has to happen more. Sorry, real quick, Joe, then I'll hand it back to you. We've, we've kind of hinted at this. I can't remember if we said it or not. This is what people actually want. People want structure. They want to be so true. They want to be That's told what is expected of them. I, you know, on the surface, the choose your own adventure Christianity might sound great. Hey, I can just show up and choose whatever I want. But deep down, people want to know what is expected of them. People want to know what's expected of them from leadership, from God's word. And so, you know, people might be listening to this going, man, you start doing that, you know, have the handout or say what's expected. That's going to run some people off. And yes, it will for a few, for the ones that weren't really invested in it in the first place. But for the ones that are, for the ones that truly have adopted uh, the mindset of Christ and and want to follow Christ and want to be Christ-like, that's not going to turn them away. That's not going to be something where they're like, no, thanks, I'm good, I'd rather not. For the ones that are truly searching, the ones that truly want to be Christ-like, when you go to them and say, this is what's expected of you from this congregation according to God's word, they're going to eat that up. That is going to be something that, that and, and even if that you have something maybe on there that they disagree with, it's going to open up study. It's going to open up discussion about, okay, why do we do things this way? Why is this something that's expected? I, I think we have this in our head. Of, it's just going to run everybody off. No, it's not. This, this is what people truly want. It's what they truly need. Well, it's the gentle parenting of the church, right? That's really what it is, is you look at it and, well, I can't really expect that of my kids. You know, the expectations are low. We just need to think about their feelings and such. We Studies have proven time and time and time again, a kid who has set expectations, to your point, Will, is happier. A kid who has the boundaries, you know, set boundaries of like, hey, if you go outside of this, you're getting spanked. That kid is way happier than a kid who has no boundaries and runs all over the place, but this is what we do in the church is, we allow them to run all over the place, and then we're shocked that they're not super happy with the church. People need boundaries. They're called babes in Christ for a reason. We like to think, oh, no, you know, don't, basically don't treat them like kids. That's that's uh, patronizing or whatever else. It's like when they're new in Christ, they are kids. They don't know these things. And any good parent is going to be able to place expectations on their kid and know that's what's best for them. They may not always like it. There may be times where kid pushes back. That's that's normal. That's what's going to happen in a church. That's where the leadership has to step in. And, and Jack, as you're talking about with the good elderships, I think it's important too, 
the way that we typically look to fix this is by preaching, right? Boy, if we just have those sermons from the pulpit, this will really help people get involved. I'm not against it. I'm probably going to be preaching on that this weekend. Um, so, I, but I think preaching is limited for that reason to what we're talking about. This is an individual relationship thing. Because how many times do you sit in the pew and go, boy, I hope so-and-so is listening. And it's like, it's stepping right on my toes. But I'm too busy thinking about whoever else should be listening to this sermon. We don't always take it super well when somebody says that. Or we go, boy, yeah, could you imagine if somebody wasn't plugged in? And meanwhile, we haven't been to church and through. You know what I mean? Like, Or even to the degree that there's not next steps. That's like, true. yeah, we, uh, we need to give more. We need to be more committed. Okay, what does that look like? It's going to look different for everybody in the room. And so it's so hard to do that from the pulpit. From the family point of view, I mean, imagine if you're, you know, you had the family patriarchy or whatever, like the, the patriarch, the, the grandpa or whatever, and he kind of gives a speech to the family every now and then. We need to be nicer as a family. Okay, cool. All right, sounds good. And then we all go our separate ways. Like, we don't know what that means. If, if a family was to operate that way, what happens is you get into these little confrontations. And in those moments, there's times of learning. As you're going, you're learning these things. That's the importance of the individual as you guys are both hitting on really well having them in the homes and, and, you know, taking them aside and, and maybe doing what we need to. And the discipleship process, that is a personal family aspect. And we all know families are a lot tighter when they're talking and having this in common rather than just getting the lectures. The lectures don't help. It's as we're going. Well, and this is what discipleship is, right? It's 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 not just ba- just bazing them and, okay, uh, you know, good luck. I hope it all works out well. No, it's the third step of the Great Commission or the third aspect, I guess, of the Great Commission. It's teaching. Well, what if Jesus had called his 12 apostles and then said, all right, cool, you're following me. Now just, you know, kind of watch and learn type of thing. Of course, they did watch and learn from, but no, he taught them. He he invested in them. He he showed them, you know, the ways of the kingdom and he taught them versus what we do with a lot of people, which is we rush them to the waters of baptism and oh, awesome, they're baptized, cool. You know, you know, phew, we're good. And then we, we, we miss that last aspect of the Great Commission. And we talked about this before as well, but that's what discipleship is, is you teach them, what it means to be a Christian, and obviously that is what gets them into the waters of baptism, but it doesn't stop there. It's this is how you live the rest of your life. This is how this is what your week-to-week week looks like. This is what your family should look like. This is what your, your discipline with your kids should look like. This is what, again, fill in the blank should look like according to God's Word and what being a Christian means. We can't skip that step, and again, I think so often we do. We rush everybody to, to get baptized, and of course baptism is essential. We should. But we can't stop there. That's We have to have that third aspect of the Great Commission, which is to teach them this is how you live your life. And, and to, to your point, Joe, yes, and Jack as well, preaching, it, that's a good start, but that can't be it. That for, for a church leader, that can't be all. This is where the conversations in each other's homes. This is where the outside of the four walls of the church building Bible studies have to take place. And, and reaching your congregation with, again, just the higher expectations of this is what's expected. This is what being a Christian means. Again, going back to the first century, you know, they didn't baptize those 3,000 in Acts 2 and say, cool, go good luck being a Christian for the for the rest of the week. They were in each other's homes. They were talking about these things. This was a, a family unit where they were, it was discipleship. It was not, you know, awesome, you guys are baptized. We will we'll talk to you guys here in a week on the next first day of the week. I guarantee you that's not what it was. And so, yes, the church leadership has to set these expectations. But if you're listening to this and you're not a member of church leadership, again, do what you can do to to disciple others, to to, to look at other people and, and kind of bring them along in the faith. All right, we're running out of time, but I, I want to put a question to you guys before we get out of here. 
let's say a, a church, and some churches do this, and I think it's brilliant, where they have a Bible reading plan, or they have devotional books that they distribute to everyone and say, all right, this is what we're doing together. We're reading, so we're in the text at the same time, and that makes conversation so much easier, right? We're all in Matthew 7 this week or something like that. So if, if you know a new member comes or somebody's baptized and you say, this is what we do here, here's your, your reading list, and this is what we expect you. We expect you to keep up with this with daily devotions of reading and prayer. And, you know, we expect your attendance, we expect, and just kind of set some baseline things. And then from there, you can kind of build them more into the work or whatever. That is great, and I love that churches provide that, but it's still choose your own adventure. What happens if somebody doesn't do it? So, to to put some meat on the bone, some practical, if a church does lay that out, and you just kind of have people who are like, yeah, I'm really not for me, I'm not not reading my Bible daily, I'm not, not really a big the, Bible the daily prayer person. and devotional right. thing, that's not... Yeah, not not a big Bible study person. Or, you know, I, I'm just really busy. I mean, yeah, I knocked out all eight seasons of The Office, you know, last <laughs> week. But I just, real busy for the Bible study thing. You know, that kind of thing. What it, it, Should elders do something about that? Or, because this is, where, well, this is where the rubber meets the road. Is if there's really no recourse of, man, we expect you to be studying your Bible. And if you're not, well, boy, we really, we, we, we really think you should. Like, is there any teeth to this or is it choose your own adventure because it remains choose your own adventure if it is and so what do you do in that situation i'm going to put Thanks, you guys Jack. on the spot there and while i think of my I, own I answer that's, no i i got go an ahead, answer Joe, you go go for it go for it i was gonna say i mean i always hate the, the the idea of putting myself in the shoes of an elder because i obviously don't meet the qualifications yet but for the purpose of this thought exercise i think that's where the reprove and and, and rebuke you know, mindset has to come in and whether that, you know, that's going to have to take a, a, an interesting form as far as like, again, you can't treat it cavalierly. You have to go to them and say, hey, we really believe this is serious and we really believe this is something that every Christian should be doing. So let's talk about it. Why, why did you not get to it this week? Or, um, you know, what, what's going to help you get to it next week? And I think a lot of times what happens is something like this, maybe they follow up, the elders follow up one time, say with church attendance or something. They follow up one time, hey, what's going to get you back? And then they never follow up again. And the, the the family just kind of falls into the same pattern of showing up every now and then here and there. I think the same thing applies to this, whereas if you as an eldership or you as a church leader go to them one time about the about the Bible reading or whatever, and they, you know, brush it off some excuse or whatever, and you never go back to them, well, what have you just told them in your mind? Oh, okay, your excuse is legitimate. That's what you've told them. And so I think what I would do if I was an elder or part of a church leadership structure, be persistent with them every single week. Hey, why not? What's going on here? And then... I got to say, if it's something where they're not, they're, they're repeatedly not doing what's expected of them. I don't know. Do you, do you get into the church discipline thing? That's where it gets tough. But again, I think those who are truly searching, those who truly want to be Christ-like, when you're persistent with it and when you're continually telling them this is what is expected of you, the ones that deep down don't want to do that are going to run them. They're going to weed themselves out, I guess I should say, versus the ones that truly are searching they're going to say, okay, yeah, that is important. Let, let me let me do a better job about that next week. And then they do. And then you continue to, to follow up with them. That would be the key to me. Persistent. Follow up. You know, continue to try to start the conversation. Well, oh, you didn't do your reading this week. You know, let's, let's, what, what if I did it with you? What if we got together and did it, you know, over, over coffee or something like that? And you just do everything that you can. And if they're, at the end of the day, they're not doing it. I don't know. Do we enact your system? Joe, what do you have? I'm sure you have an answer here. I think it's a fantastic answer. It, it does lead to that next question, but it's a great answer. Go ahead, Joe. Yeah, no, I was thinking the same thing of, you know, that would be the two part, that that would be the one part of, um, I do think that it's right for the elders to go, hey, we've noticed that you've been struggling with your reading, what's going on? You know, I think that's fine. The other, or I think that's very good. The other part, I 
would say, I'm a big fan of the idea of like, when you come together for a Bible class. All right, guys, we've been discussing this this week. What'd you, what'd you find? What, what was in it? What was in the reading that you thought was very helpful? And as you go around and you get everybody's answers, it's going to become very evident who did not. And that's going to become very awkward week after week when it's like, I, I got nothing. I, I didn't do the reading. I, you know, I didn't, I didn't see anything. And it's like, man, everybody else did. And you're the guy sitting where you there. get to incentivizing and rewarding the people who are achieving. Right. That, that thing we talked about. That's exactly it. Like, and, and it kind of, there's a shame element almost, this guilt element that comes into like, man, I really got to get to that because you don't want to be the guy week after week after week after week who's not doing it. It's like everybody's showing up to the gym and getting ripped except you and you keep showing up and everybody's like, and you just looking scrawny and start like, looking dude, around. Because you leave after 10 minutes, you know, this being at the gym, you don't stick around. It, yeah. That's exactly it. You, you don't actually put the work in. And so that becomes very evident and it becomes this kind of guilty thing. And so I think establishing some sort of church structure where that's the case where like it almost they weed themselves out it's a culture of hey we've got this together and you recognize i'm not part of this culture you'll either leave which is in my opinion kind of getting rid of the chaff that sounds mean but if they're not going to do it or they'll step up to the plate or they step their game up exactly those are the only two options if they continue to sit there then you have the question of all right man like where where basically where's the shame uh where's that where's that element of week after week you're okay with being the one guy that has nothing to say that's not okay either so that's a lot easier to call out i feel like most people are going to get the hint and go oh, man i probably should do something that would be my answer jack what's what do you think yeah i think that's interesting like a, a cultural pressure a peer a good peer pressure kind of thing is is a a good element of it I, and you know somebody's going to rush in with the, you can't bind that spare me uh, <laughs> this is what elders are for this is and we talked about you know will and i last week at the end of titus 2 where paul gives him a list of things teach the younger men teach the older women teach the younger men you know, older men you know like teach this teach this teach this teach them to do this to avoid worldliness all this and where he says let no one disregard you or let no one uh despise you basically like Follow make sure they them. do it yeah like stay on top of them that they do this that authority is vested in the church leadership to say hey in this household this is how we're going to grow we as the elders have decided this is how it's going to be it's nothing extreme we're not saying every guy has to prepare a sermon every month we're not saying anything difficult we're saying you need to be spending time with god and if you're not we need to like you know sort that out and so as far as like drawing them up on church discipline i'm not sure it raises to that so much as it is getting that sense of when it is reprove rebuke exhort and really just keeping the pressure yeah, on the and like you said there. we live in this culture where people will fold under the pressure to either do it or go i don't want to be a place where i'm you know i don't want to do it and if this is going to be the kind of place where where i'm expected to do it no thanks and you know what we're we're so desperately scared we're so desperate for numbers once again that man well, we, we just can't have somebody leave no you're better off if somebody who doesn't want to spend any time with god leaves your church that is a sad thing, but man, go back to all those interactions we looked at with Jesus. Luke 9, the rich young That's ruler, the people did. turned away at the parable of the dinner. It was. If you're not fit for the kingdom, go home. Because then you have a church full of people who are fit for the kingdom, and you can get something done with that, rather than catering to the least common denominator. So uh, a little bit of an interesting thought experiment there. We are not elders. Uh, we are very thankful for elders in that job who are doing that. But yeah, you do have that permission to really chase this stuff out and to enforce and to make sure that, that the church is going the right direction and, and doing meeting the expectations placed on them. Put reasonable expectations on people, but then 
Call them to me. That's what I was going to say. Anything else? Is, yeah, is Go that ahead. you can't force anybody into spirituality. You can't force anybody into wanting to spend time with God or force anybody into wanting to study their Bible. You can't do that. What you can do is raise the expectations and say, no, this is what's expected of you. And like you said, and like we've talked about, follow up with them and be persistent about it. Again, you're not going to force them. You're not going to physically force them into it. But you are going to, you do have the authority and the right to raise those expectations and to say, this is what's expected of you according to God's word. And are you actually doing it? Um, that's where the line I think is again, you, you can't, you know, tie them up and, and make them read their Bible. That's not what we're talking about here. What we're talking about is creating a culture, fostering an atmosphere where everybody knows this is what's expected in this congregation. This is what's expected of the members. This is what's expected week to week, uh, day to day, even with Bible study. And like Joe was talking about with Bible class, you come to the table, the Bible classroom every Sunday morning, every Wednesday night, whatever you have something to contribute. And until, this is the pessimist. I don't want to end here. Somebody else better have something to say because this is going to sound very pessimistic. The, if, if we don't have elderships and church leaders where we start doing this and raising the expectations, guess what? We're never going to have stronger congregations. We're never going to grow spiritually together. We're never going to be able to, to effectively reach the lost, really, because we're going to have a bunch of half-hearted soldiers, a bunch of guys that guys and, and women that are just kind of barely into it, feeding, you know, sitting on the fence, one foot in the world, one foot in the church. So until we have church leaderships and uh, structures of preachers and elders that actually set these expectations— we're going to have shallow growth, shallow unity, and it's just going to be a negative outlook for the church. I want you to think about Gideon. That's that's what I would say is the, the optimistic side here. You will lose people, no doubt. You will. Uh, there's the, When you raise expectations, you will have people that are no longer comfortable, and your numbers may dwindle, but I'll tell you what. Think about Gideon. God goes, all right, we got 10,000. No, no, we don't need that. Okay, 5,000. Okay, 2,000. 1,000. Gets down to 300 men against 100,000 army. God, how enough. in the world can we do it? 300 committed men. I don't think those numbers men. are accurate, but uh, just in case anyone's Whatever. wanted to fact. It was yeah, 32,000, 10,300. Yeah, there you go. I know. Will, I'm, scholar, I'm saying it's, it's what I was going to say. Good for you, Will. That's, that's good. I, I, <laughs> I'm going up the top of my head. I'm making up the numbers. The whole point is he's whittling it down, right? And he whittles down to 300. And you go, how in the world can 300 people do it? Yeah, it's 300 committed people who are willing to do what God asks them to do. That can change the world. So you look at your church and you go, wow, we, we went from 100, now we're down to 50. Yeah, but those 50 people care. Those 50 people want to be here, and that can change the world. God can use any number to do amazing things, but what he can't use is half-hearted people, and that's why Jesus said, see ya, you're not fit for the kingdom. So be willing to have that attitude there, but Fellas, where I was going to wrap up here, I don't, Jack, do you got... Well, I'm just going to say, God gets the glory for that, whereas when, man, let's do whatever gets the most numbers in the door, we get the glory for that. You have the Andy Stanley, the megachurch, the, the cult of personality stuff, God doesn't get the glory for that. But a, a, you know, if the number gets smaller and God can work through dedicated people, he gets the glory because it's about him. So that's all, that's my last thought. You go ahead and wrap us up and we'll get out yeah. of here. Can you name a bestseller, Choose Your Own Adventure book? I don't think there is one. They may be fun. There was a time when kids loved to read it. That's great. At the end of the day, that's not where it's at. The greatest books, The Lord of the Rings, and and I don't want to get fired here, but the books that everybody reads, Harry Potter, uh, Narnia, you know, all the books that really suck people in, it wasn't Choose Your Own Adventure. It's this is where we're going, and people go, I want to be a part of that. I want to be, I want to go to Hogwarts or whatever else, right? All these weirdos. Like, I want to be part of that world. It wasn't the Choose Your Own Adventure. You don't see the Choose Your Own Adventure as a bestseller. 
for that reason. They may have been fun for a time, but ultimately people want to be a part of something bigger. They want to be kind of led in a direction where maybe I don't have to, you know, I can follow this and I can be a part of that. And that's what we're saying is establish that as a church. Show them where we're going. Show that leadership. Don't give them a choose your own adventure. Say, this is the adventure, guys. We're going on it. This is what Christ has demanded of us and we're all on this path together. People want that. They love it. This book sales clearly show that as well. So we hope you've enjoyed this one. Um, you know, obviously leave your, your thoughts, comments, questions, uh, specifically for Deep End. We'll be recording Deep End. That'll drop um, on our Patreon next Wednesday, I believe. Or Friday. No, next no. Friday. Sorry. Uh, this this Friday. This Friday. When we're recording. This Friday. Um, and so, yeah, make sure you get those questions in by Wednesday is what I meant to say so we can address those or any comments or whatever else. We've been loving the comments and we appreciate it. Uh, fellas, anything else you want to add? All right, guys, we're going to wrap up here. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you again next week. Thank you.